What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of Fansided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. And welcome into the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. I'm Noah Yingling, one of the co-experts of Rocks Pile. And as always, I'm joined by my friend and fellow co-expert, Kevin Henry, who is surprisingly not traveling, but I'm traveling. Hence the noise in the background. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm holding down the fort here in northern Colorado, and you are on the road toward Milwaukee, where you'll be covering those four games against the Brewers that I think is going to be a very pivotal series for these Rockies. Yeah. I mean, really? I mean, does it determine whether they're going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline. I, I, I don't think they should be buyers either way, to be quite honest, but it could determine whether or not even they're just, they decide to stand pat or sell. Yeah. As I wrote on rocks pile the other day, I think this four game series, you know, if you look at fan graphs, a less than a 0.1% chance of making the postseason. So there's a lot of things that would have to fall right including them either winning the series or sweeping this series, I think, in order to actually make any kind of a, okay, we can make this push really a reality. And granted, it's after the All-Star break. Granted, everybody's healthy. Granted, everybody's not coming straight from Denver to here. But still, I think that uh, we know how the road treats the Rockies sometimes. And we also know the pitching that they're going to be waiting to see in Milwaukee as well. Yeah, the first game of the series, uh, as of now, it's going to be Corbin Burns. And they're going to be facing Brandon Woodruff, who hasn't been quite as good as he was last year, but he's still been pretty good. Um, I mean, it's the Brewers. It's not like they're facing the Brewers of the early 2000s. Right. They've got a good pitching staff. They've got a good offense. So they're, they're going to be a force to, I mean, especially for four games, I mean, you're going to be lucky to win two of them. And they are, you know, the Brewers are leading the NL Central. And one thing that I'm watching in the series is Josh Hader. 
Obviously, he had a horrific uh, stretch before the All-Star break. Does he get right against the Rockies? And my, my gut feeling is he is going to get right whenever he gets those opportunities. But it's certainly going to be something to watch because he's a big part of not only them in this series against the Rockies, but also their hopes for a deep kind of postseason run too. Yeah, and for Hayter overall, his last 14 games is going back to uh, June 7th. He's made 14 appearances, a 10.95 ERA, yeah. an 8.06 FIP. Suboptimal, suboptimal, Kevin. And, and let's just remember, uh, he was elected as an all-star, chose not to go to the game because of family commitments, but he was elected an all-star over Daniel Bard. Just want to throw that out there as a reminder for everybody. So, uh, well, we talked about, you know, I feel like we've talked about the trade deadline kind of ad nauseum because we don't know which way the Rockies are going to go. I think this four-game series could determine a lot, but I think it's worth looking at the schedule leading up to the trade deadline to kind of see what this stretch could look like because this is a Rockies team. They've won the last three series, but they are going for four in Milwaukee home for two against the White Sox. Then you have the Dodgers coming to town before you go to San Diego for five games in four days, including a doubleheader during the trade deadline. Um, You know, so I think that that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch, especially on the other side of the field, because you know that AJ Preller is going to be very active during this trade deadline. Yeah. And I mean, especially with the Juan Soto rumors, we've heard that the, Dodgers, Giants, and Padres are all interested in him. So, especially if one of those teams get him, it's going to be really hard. It's already really hard for the Rockies to get back in. But especially if he's traded to one of those teams, I mean, if your window wasn't closed for this year already, it will be closed on that. I mean, and even if it's one of the other NL teams, they get some. I mean, it's just – they they've dug themselves so deep into a hole that it's going to be next to impossible to get out of. And and quite frankly, it's similar to what, uh, what we mentioned with Brendan Rogers. I mean, how he started the year hitting 070 and uh, I think it was actually 078 since he's done really well. But, I mean, you look at his overall numbers and he's still slightly below league average because he's hit he's had 67 games or he's hit 295 with an 823 OPS. But when you start off that poorly, it's next to impossible to dig yourself out of that hole. Agreed. Absolutely. And, And, again, it was a month that he was he was struggling. I mean. And, and I think going back to what you just said a minute ago, you know, uh, Bob Nightingale came out with something. I know some people roll their eyes immediately whenever I say Bob Nightingale, but still he says that seven teams so far has checked in on Soto and three of those teams are in the National League West. Five of those teams are in the National League. So, you know, as you just said a minute ago, the division's tough enough already. Now, would the Dodgers sell the farm like they did last year to get Trey Turner and Max Scherzer from the Nationals, by the way? Let's not forget that. They've already done one mega trade with them. Would they do another one? I wouldn't put it past them at all. If there's a chance that they could have Juan Soto and Mookie Betts in their outfield, that'd be pretty tough to to look past uh, as you head into the postseason. And for postseasons to come, too, that's the problem if you're a Rockies fan. Yeah, and I mean, 
Yeah, two more postseasons after this. And with that move, the Dodgers would really be the evil empire of the West. Oh, for sure. I mean, they, they already are. But I mean, they, when you have money and you have prospects, you're the most dangerous team in the sport. And well, they have both. So, so let's, what's a best case scenario for the Rockies? I mean, obviously he goes to Seattle or goes to, you know, somewhere in the American league. That's the best case. Yeah. But in my mind, and I was listening to John Morosi of MLB network this morning, talking about how he thinks the San Francisco giants are a very strong contender for him because the, the giants have trade have tried for Bryce Harper. They've tried for the big names in the past and they haven't been able to accomplish that. And now you're looking at a Giants team that's really getting ready to turn over what the face looks like. You know, Posey's no longer there. Crawford's getting ready to be gone. A lot of the guys that have been Rockies killers for so long are ending, you know, toward the end of their careers. Soto would immediately become the face of that franchise and give them something then to build around the Bay. Yeah. I mean, the Giants are one of the oldest teams in the sport. Last year, when they won 107 games, people were surprised because – the team is so old. I mean, look at the team right now. You've got Belt. He's 34. Crawford, 35. Longoria, 36. Peterson, 30. Yastrzemski, 31. Lestella, 33. Darren Ruff, 35. Casale is, I believe, yeah, he's 33. Alex Cobb, 34. You have a lot of guys in their 30s on the team. And in fact, their average age is 30 and a half, which I believe that's still the oldest in the National League. And, and if you think back to last year at the trade deadline, remember back whenever we thought the Padres were going to land Max Scherzer. And they didn't. The Dodgers did. And we know the Padres literally fell apart in starting pitching last year because of injuries toward the end. Ended up with Jace Tingler getting fired. All these dominoes started to fall. And I kind of look at what if the Giants get Juan Soto instead of the Padres or instead of the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers will be fine. And honestly, I think the Padres will be as well. But I think the Padres keep hoping, keep hoping that somehow, some way, uh, that that he will come their way instead of up a little further north. Just imagine, though, the Padres lineup. Machado. A healthy Tatis. A healthy Tatis. Uh, that's, that, that's a big if. This it is. I agree. And Soda. Yep. Yeah. I mean. Not to it, mention you got Rocky's killer, Will Myers, whenever he's healthy. Whenever he comes back. Because <laughs> yeah, he's but, better than all three of them if he's playing against the Rockies and he's healthy. It's the truth. You know, and, and luckily we're going to get a lot of the games out of the way with, uh, Will, with Will Myers still on the IL, it looks like. But it, but it is something to think about because – you know, as much as, and I know you wrote an article about the Rockies and Juan Soto and what it would take, but let's be honest, they're not that team. They're not that franchise. I would love for them to be, and I know Rockies fans would, but they don't have the, they're not going to spend that much. And they're also not going to trade off a Veen, a Romo, you know, some of the prospects that Washington will require to make this happen. I, I think the Rockies actually do have enough to get him. It's just, to your point, are you willing to trade Veen, Romo, Montero, and probably about five others? Yeah. 
and, and don't, at least three others, if not five. And, and, and don't, that's, don't that's forget the other stuff. part. Yep. The other part of this is that Washington, according to multiple reports, is going to ask whatever team gets Soto to take on the Patrick Corbin contract as well, which you talk about a god-awful contract. I mean, it's more than $100 million over the next three years for a pitcher who is horrible. And so would the Rockies say, sure, we'll trade you these prospects we love to get Soto, but oh, we're also going to pay Corbin or buy him out of his contract as well? No way. Absolutely no way. I think the Rockies would do that if they didn't have to trade Veen, Tobar, or Romo. Yeah. If they had to trade Amador or Montgomery, Montero, okay, maybe. I mean, they. I still don't think it's realistic, but it would be more realistic. But the, the Nationals, quite frankly, they aren't going to get that when they're asking a team to take on Corbin. No. If, if they just do Soto straight up, I think they would get more than they would, or way more, I should say, for Corbin than they would adding Corbin in it. Well, and, and obviously, if you're the Nationals, you're rebuilding right now. So you're looking toward the future. And I agree with you completely. If it's worth me getting another prospect and hanging on to Patrick Corbin somehow, you know what? Fine. Give me another prospect. I'll deal with Corbin down the road. But I, I think that this is the chance for Washington to really hit the reset button if they can make a trade. And I know they're going to ask for a big list of prospects. I mean, some of the lists that we've seen come out uh, from guys like Jim Bowden and everybody else, it's been, it's been crazy what has been asked. And I just don't, I don't think the Rockies would mortgage because their plan, it's very obvious, is be ready when Tovar, Veen, Romo, that whole crew is ready to move up to the, to the major leagues. Yeah, and I think that if, they maybe even even if they had three full years of Soto, or if it was this time last year and they were looking to trade Soto, okay, they might be willing to part with one or two of Veen, Tovar, and Romo. But I mean, when you've got him for two more years, sure, it will it will move the uh, the playoff window contention a little bit forward, but. Is Juan Soto going to make you a playoff team? No, because you still need help in the bullpen. You still need some starting pitching, or at least more consistent starting pitching. And not to mention, you're going to have to trade some of your outfielders. You already have a log jam in the outfield. Now you're adding Soto to that mix. He's not playing left because you have Brian out there. So he's going to play right. What do you do with Charlie? What do you do with Connor Joe? What do you do with CJ Crone? Yep. And those are some of your best players at this point. Yep. Okay. Even if you trade Montero away, you still have a log jam where, especially up the middle where it's like, okay, what kind of offense are we going to get? What kind of offense are you going to get from Ryan McMahon? It's got to be a little bit more than it has been where, I mean, when the Rockies were in the playoffs, they had Nolan Arenado. Okay. McMahon will give you, Arnado like defense and he's definitely gotten better since the start of the year where he was struggling a bit, but he's nowhere near Arenado offensively, at least yet. So we're going to 
because McMahon is interesting. You brought him up because I want to talk about him after the break whenever we do our second half predictions. I think that that's a, a big thing to talk about there. But one more note on the Juan Soto and the future of the Rockies. I think if you're the Dodgers, you have a lot more opportunity to give up top prospects knowing who else is in the farm than you do right now the Rockies. Uh, I think the Rockies are very – they had a great draft. Uh, a lot of folks are giving them props for the draft that they just had, so that's fantastic. Obviously, those guys still have to get in the system, still have to be built up and everything else. But I think that you've got to look at what the plan is moving forward, and the plan moving forward are those prospects that they would have to give up. The Dodgers can move forward with what they've already got. Their prospects aren't as valuable to them as the Rockies are to what their future holds. So I think that that's another thing you've got to look at whenever you talk about the ifs and coulds of Juan Soto and where he might go. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen it with the Dodgers already where look at their farm system in 2017. And you had a few guys pan out, but of their top 10 guys, Alex Verdugo, gone. Willie Calhoun, gone. Yusniel Diaz, gone. Brock Stewart, gone. Jordan Sheffield. Yep. Where is he? Let's see. Hold on. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And and I'm not long ago either. That was five years ago. Well, and, and here's the thing is that they're loaded in Oklahoma City. They're loaded in Tulsa. I can tell you, I was just at high A watching the Great Lakes Loons play where their number one overall prospect, Diego Cartaya, their catcher is. And I'm going to tell you right now, Cartaya is somebody that they're not even talking about as part of this trade mix because they, they just traded off their number one prospect catcher last year in order to get Scherzer and Turner uh, Ruiz. So I don't think that, again, I don't think that the Dodgers would be hurt as much, even if they trade off top prospects, because to your point, they've got other guys that could just fill right up there. They're coming. Yeah. 2018. Here's their uh, top 10. Yep. Walker Bueller. Yeah. Did pretty well. <laughs> um, Alex Verdugo, Red Sox, Cabert Ruiz, Nationals, Mitch White, Dodgers hasn't really panned out. Yusniel Diaz, Orioles, DJ Peters, Rangers, Jaron Kendall in still in the minors with the Dodgers. Yadier Alvarez, Dodgers, still in the minors, Will Smith, and Dennis Santana, who's now with the Rangers. So most of them that haven't panned out, they've they traded. Yep. And I mean, if the Rockies had their seven, uh, their four, seven, and eight prospects not pan out and still be with the team, they'd be kind of in a world of hurt four years down the road. And the Dodgers, I mean, it's nothing. It's oh, okay, this guy didn't pan out. Next. Yep. Yeah. If, if a Veen or a Romo or a Tovar doesn't pan out, it's a lot more painful for the Rockies than it is for the Dodgers. And I would even say for the Padres, you know, uh, I would even throw them in the mix as well. All right. We've talked enough about the present. Let's talk about the future. After the break, we're going to get into our second half predictions for the Rockies. What will that look like? What are we expecting? We'll talk about that um, next here on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. And Kevin Henry back with Noah Yingling. We are your co-experts for Rockspile. And this is the Rockspile Rockies Report. Noah, 
we're way past the halfway point of the season. You know, the, the all-star break came a little late for that, but the second half unofficially begins in Milwaukee with four games against the Brewers. We talked a little bit, a little bit about that before the break. Uh, what are we expecting from the Rockies in the second half of the season? Uh, any hot takes? Where do you want to start? And then I'll follow your lead. How about that? Um, I think uh, as much as the Rockies fans would not like it, I think they're going to be pretty stagnant. I think they're going to uh, at the trade deadline where they aren't going to do much. You mentioned the log jam. It's not going to be relieved. Um, I think Jose Iglesias will probably be traded. Um, and that's probably about it. Maybe, maybe Alex Colomay. Maybe. But that's, that I keep thinking more and more of, yeah, it's, it's not really, really not much is going to change. And for the Rockies, I mean, going into the season, it was, Starting rotation is the key. Yep. You have one starting pitcher who has an ERA plus above league average, and it's Chad Cool. Yep. Are you going to trade him at the trade deadline? You know, the interesting thing to me is Bud has talked about a six man rotation. Uh, you know, I was there at Coors the other day whenever he was saying that it's a possibility after the break. <laughs> Uh, Urania has been a very pleasant surprise. Urania and Cool, you could argue, have been two of the bitter surprises for the Rockies so far this year. You know, so to lose Cool, you could say, well, worst case, Urania could step in there. But as you and I have discussed numerous times, then you've got a five-man rotation with a Feltner in the wings, and, and then what? You know, yeah. then it's very dicey at that point. Is there on Ashton Goudeau in there? Yeah. So I, my, my bull take is that they do trade off Iglesias, uh, but I do not think Tovar gets the call up this year. I don't think he will make I would agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of Rockies fans are going, oh, well, they're going to trade him off, and he's going to make the jump straight from double-A. No, he's not. You know, he didn't play in the Futures game because of a groin injury. I don't think the Rockies are going to rush him along to have him prepare this year. There will be a bridge at shortstop. You know, whoever that might be, it could be a Trejo, it could be Hampson, you know, who knows who that's going to be. And no, they're not going to move Brendan Rodgers back over to shortstop. That's not going to happen either. But I think that you're, they are not a franchise that's just going to jump Tovar up because he's proven himself at double A. They want him, they need him to get triple A at bats. I think he could start season next year, but 2022, not so much. And another thing with trading Iglesias is, if you're looking at overall on the season, he's been your fourth best bat. Yep, you're right. Which I never would have thought at the start of the season. I got to admit that. I was so anti-Iglesias, uh, but he, but he's actually proven to be a much better bat than I thought he was going to be. Again, uh, this, is, uh, this falls under the ever-growing file of that's baseball, of Jose Iglesias is your fourth best bat. Chad Cool has been your best starting pitcher and your fifth best player on the team, at least by war. Jose Urania has been your second best starter. <laughs> he's made three starts and he is your second best starter. Tyler Kinley is still in the top 10 and he hasn't pitched in two months. 
coming up on two months. And I, there's just, there's just a lot of, and how many times have we said this consistency and essentially players having career years. Yep. What did the Rockies have there? Okay. Career years. Bard. We'll say cool. Prone. That's about it. Yep. Yeah. And so let's talk about CJ Crone for just a minute. Obviously, the all the all-star for the Rockies. His second half of the season, I do not think will be as productive as the first half of the season. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're going to see CJ Crone cool off in the second half of the season. That's yeah. that's my take. Who are you looking at on this team for maybe some regression? And then we'll we'll flip around and get positive here in a minute. But let's talk regression second half. Who are you looking at? Um, honestly, I think Connor Joe is probably going to regress some. He's, I mean, he's he's already regressed a bit. Um, he, he's still getting on base at a high clip, but the average has definitely come down. Uh, I mean, it's come down already twenty points here in the last like two three weeks. Um, so yeah, I think he's a guy that I could see continue sliding on down. Um, in his last 17 games, he's hitting 172. Still a 329 on base, but yeah, that's that's problematic. It um, is. And Charlie, I, I don't think I think Charlie will still be hitting for a decent average, hitting 277 on the year, but I think the power is going to subside a bit because I mean we saw last year his power really wasn't there. Um and I mean he had 13 home runs last year. He already has 14 this year. Right. So I, I think that will start to regress a little bit in the second half. I, I think so as well. And I, I, I agree with you on that. Uh, positive side of things. Uh, we've already talked about how great Brendan Rogers has been. I think he keeps that up in the second half. I think he's really kind of found his way. And I'm also going to point to a guy that, and, and I hope I'm right about this. It's a little bit on edge. I think Sam Hilliard steps up a little bit as well. I think Sam Hilliard starts getting some more playing time. Bud really gives him the sink or swim mentality in the second half of the year. And I do think that Hilliard is at least going to show them that he can produce at a major league level. I would happen to agree with you on both of them. I'm not sure if uh, – I think he'll get more playing time, Hilliard, and I think he will be better but still not quite at the level where they need him to be. Yeah. Um, the, the two that I would say are Ryan McMahon. Um, I think he'll hit start hitting for a little bit more power. Um, here in the month of July, he's got a good average and a good on base, 306 and 404, but he's still not really hitting for the power. Yeah. Um, I think I think it'll start to tick up a little bit, the power, but again, it's not going to be quite enough for what the Rockies need. Um, and then... My other one is I think that Brian Servin will continue to keep getting some playing time and he's, he's regressed a little bit, but I think he'll actually start to tick up a little bit on the offense. And I mean, I think this one isn't really a hot take, but the Rockies really need him. I think that Chris Bryant will actually be healthy in the second half, which is I, I, a big key to their offense. 
I agree with that. And, and, you know, I'm really glad you mentioned Servan because, you know, we talked about Cool and Arania being two of their biggest surprises. Let's throw Servan in there as well. I, I think whenever he was called up, nobody really knew what to expect, but it's very apparent that he is at least the co-number one catcher. You know, Diaz has started looking better as yeah. we head into the All-Star break, which they need him to do. So that's another thing to uh, be interested in. All right. Here's For a big Brian, one. Quick note, though. Yeah. So he's returned. The Rockies are nine and seven in games that he's played in. And he is hitting 333, 391, 587 with four homers and eight RBI. Okay. 16 games, small sample size, but he's a big key to that offense. Absolutely. He is. So let's go back way, way back to the start of the season. And remember all those bets that came out, Noah? That the biggest number that I found was the Rockies at 70 wins. And that was through our friends at WinBet. 70 wins this season over under. Okay. And they were no. higher than some of the other sports books. It's true. You're exactly right. So they right now are 43 and 50. So they need 27 wins in their last. I'm doing some quick math here. 27 wins in their last 69 games, if I've got that correct. I believe you do. So, well, let's say 28 to hit the over. They would need 28 in their final 69. So that's 28 and 41 to finish the season. I think that's a lock. I think think this team is at least winning 28 more games. Right now, the Rockies are on pace for 75 wins overall. So I've, and they've been, I mean, how disappointing have they been here in the last, since May? I mean, it's not like they've played sparkling baseball since May. Um, so I, I think that should be pretty achievable. Um, since May 3rd, in fact, the Rockies, they are 30 and 41. So. So I right guess, there. Yeah. That you that. If, yep. if you play what you did. Yep. And again, uh, you know, to your point earlier, I don't think this is a Rockies team that's going to look drastically different on August 3rd than it does right now. Uh, yeah. You know, I think, I think Iglesias will be gone, but I, I don't think much else could happen. And with that in mind, I think that the over hits. It's, it's very interesting as well, because, you know, there were a lot of folks who said, well, this team could lose a hundred games. I don't think, we ever felt that. I thought we were much more on the other side of things yeah. actually looking back. You know, and again, I'll, I'll point to this Brewer series as if they do well, if they split it, is a split good enough in Milwaukee? I mean, there, there's a question for you. Yes. I, I, I agree. I think with the White Sox coming to town, you know, depending on which White Sox team shows up how yeah. they this year, then you've got the Dodgers. So I, I think these next few games determine a lot because then that still gives you plenty of time before you go to San Diego before the trade deadline to pull any kind of moves if you want to. So they're 43 and 50. Let's say they win two and lose two in Milwaukee. Okay. Let's say oh let's say that they split the two gamer against the White Sox. All right. That's, that's another one. Or against the Dodgers. Yeah, so uh, at that point, they are 
three and three. Yep. Head into the Dodgers. And then add the Dodgers. Let's say that's, we'll say it's two and two. That's, uh, that, that's five and five. I think it might be a little, especially with the Dodgers. That's eh, a little bit, um, a little bit borderline on that happening. Um, and, let, and then let's say, okay, they win the first game in the Padres series to start August. But six and five doesn't move the needle enough for me. No, exactly. No, not, not That's the point. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's got to be a nine and two, eight and three, something like that. Yeah. Really if you can take three or four against Milwaukee, <clears throat> both games against the White Sox and three or four against the Dodgers. Okay. Talk to me then. Yeah. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. And, and I think that would be, of all of that, perhaps the most stunning development would be the Milwaukee series. Let's be honest. Yeah. So, but yeah, there, there's a lot of things still to come. I think there's a lot of things that still are not determined. Uh, I, and again, that's why I think you being at the series in Milwaukee is, is really important because uh, we're going to be able to give firsthand account and really hear what's going on from the Rockies. Because I think a lot of them were very disappointed with that last game of the season when they lost at home to the Pirates. They wanted that sweep. That was big for the Rockies. I'm going to tell you, the clubhouse after that was dejected. And so everybody knew how important that game was. Do they now pull it back together on the road against the NL Central leaders? Yeah. And I mean, if they do three of four, sweep the White Sox, three of four against the Dodgers, and they win that first game against the Padres, they're seven games under 500, and that would be a nine and two record. What does that mean, Kevin? That means they have officially gotten back to 500. That's true. And, you know, it, and we know Bill Schmidt is very big on this team getting back to 500. Last point I want to make here uh, as we start to wrap up is that 15 and 27 on the road so far this season. So does that bode well enough for the Rockies going into a place that arguably, remember they were swept there in a three-game series last year, knowing that they are 12 games under on the road this year, does it bode well enough for the team to actually be able to win the series in Milwaukee? It's possible, but as Noah mentioned earlier, you're going to have to beat Corbin Burns. You're going to have to beat Brandon Woodruff. You're going to have to make sure that if Josh Hader comes in, it's likely not a safe situation. You know, and and there's a lot of things to be said about actually being in Milwaukee right now because the Brewers are also trying to fend off the Cardinals. And, you know, they know every game is important right now. So knowing what Milwaukee has to lose, knowing what Colorado has to lose with this series I, I think that that is really something to be watching. You know, and let's talk for just a minute about uh, the Cardinals because we know that the Rockies have not seen them yet this year. Uh, we know the emotional reunion that there will be when Nolan comes back to Coors and the Rockies go to St. Louis. You know, there are some tough games still coming up on this Rocky schedule. We talk a lot about, you know, this stretch before the trade deadline, but let's look past that. There's still games in New York against the Mets. There's still a complete six-game series against the Cardinals. There is still that end-of-the-year nine-game stretch in San Francisco and Los Angeles. 
So for this Rockies team to actually make the postseason, absolutely. This next four-game series is important, but it's one step. It's not like that we're going to say, oh, well, everything's going to be great because they've still got a lot of big road tests coming up. And so far this season, the road tests have not been winners for the Rockies. Yeah, I mean, even, for example, at the very beginning of the year, I had said, okay, I think they'll they'll have enough things break right for them that they'll still be quote unquote in the playoff in the playoff picture entering the the final series of the year six games there in los angeles the problem is is okay even if you're five games out technically you're in the playoff picture there but okay to be even there at that point right now you're going to have to essentially get within a game or so of 500 by the trade deadline, they're going to have to make some moves. They're going to have to be willing to part with some prospects. They're going to have to get really everybody else on the roster. You're talking probably 15, 20 guys to play at a two month with a two month stretch of the best baseball they've had in their entire career. Is that realistic? Again, no, it's not. It's asking too much. Where even if, like, for the White Sox, for example, okay, they've played a little bit better recently. They're at 500, but they've had some injuries and they've had some guys that have had some down years. They've had, like, three or four guys with down years. Yep. It's easier for them to say, especially in a weak division, they're at 500 and they're three games back of being in first place. The Rockies, if they're at 500, are not going to be three games back of first place. Right. That's another issue. Agreed. Well, I'm, you know, as I said a minute ago, I'm glad you're going to be in Milwaukee for this four game series. I know you're going to be writing things for Rockspile. I know you're going to be writing things for Call of the Pen. I know you're going to be writing things for the fan sided MLB.com page. So I'm excited to see where all this goes. And absolutely, I think uh, for Rockies fans, this is at least some, if it's not must-watch TV, it's definitely must-follow radio or must-follow on the web because um, a lot of what's riding the rest of the season comes in Milwaukee this weekend. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe we are going to be the only – Rockies media or regular Rockies media that will be there. as, as of this moment, I believe you're correct. So we'll see, uh, you know, if somebody shows up in the middle of sausage races or whatever, you know, it's a surprise. You can't, <laughs> so, now, maybe, like, maybe one of them will show up like Randall Simon and hit the <laughs> sausage said, with the bat. How dare you hit the kielbasa? How dare you? Um, and, and just a reminder, um, we will be traveling with the Rockies quite a bit during the second half of the season. Uh, I know uh, I'm going to be in Atlanta and Chicago uh, and also some other cities. I know Noah is working on his second half of the year as well. So, you know, our, our pledge to use, we're going to give you the best Rockies coverage that we can. That's why we put up at least one new article every day on rockspile.com. And we certainly keep- for over five years now. Uh, how about that? Huh? You know, even Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, Arbor Day, all that. We do it here. Arbor Day, you know, very important day. It is. I mean, I usually take Arbor Day off, but I'm not going to this year. It's just way, way too much happening. So, all right. Well, Noah, be safe on the drive to Milwaukee. 
which of course is Algonquin for the good land. Did not know that. that I do know um, when I was in Minnesota, Minnehaha Falls. Oh. Do you know what Minnehaha stands for? Very small laugh. No, it means falls. So it's oh. falls, falls. <laughs> well, there you go. See? See the things you're learning about the upper Midwest. Enjoy some cops custard for me, my friend. All right. I was there when I went to Milwaukee last year. So attaboy. Attaboy. I know you'll hit it. I know my way around. <laughs> well, we appreciate all you listening to this episode of the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. Obviously, like I said, we try to bring you the best Rockies coverage that we can. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at RocksPileFS. Make sure you're checking out RocksPile.com, CallToThePin.com, and Fansided's MLB page. But for my friend and colleague, Noe Yingling, who is on the road, this is Kevin Henry signing off. And as always, go Rockies. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.